0: Friends, I really don't know how to say this, but Canada has lost its collective mind, and the architect of that insanity is our federal government, having abandoned all reason and virtue many moons ago. Our weekend review will show you that we live in an insane asylum of a country, and the craziest of all the inmates indeed holds the keys. We also got to interview Jeremy Bundy, producer of the documentary Antichrist and His Ruin, We'll discuss what led to the documentary and what effect Jeremy hopes the film will have on Christians and Canadians more broadly. Finally, I was wrong about mask mandates in Ontario. I told you I would admit it, and here I am admitting it. I was wrong. It appears our chief medical officer has no plans to bring back mask mandates anytime soon. That's good news. So I'm glad to have been wrong about that. So what's the bad news? Well, Dr. Moore admits the dark secret behind masks and the consequences are rather grievous. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. It's December 20th. I'm Andrew D. Bartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch.
2: Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into. The canadian culture war as always we are so excited that you've joined us we ask that you would like subscribe rate and review wherever you're getting our content from whether it's on your favorite podcast catcher or if it's on our rumble or youtube channels we pray that you would interact with the content it helps us get it out to more people um on this episode, I would love to hear what you, our listeners, think about a topic that we're going to touch in our weekend review, and that's a federal ban on one-time use plastic goods in Canada. We want to hear your thoughts on those issues, um, because that's something that I think is really absurd, but we want to hear you... Interact with us. So please do that. You can also get everything that we do on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. And there's a plethora of wonderful podcasts and other various programs that I know are going to be of great benefit to you over there, as well as their Slick app, which you can download from your Google Play or your Apple app stores so you can get all our content as well as the myriad of other shows like Dr. Aaron Rock's Leadership Now podcast over on that website So, and and on demand on the app as well. So definitely go and do that. We would really appreciate that. Also, our website, libertycoalitioncanada.ca. That's libertycoalitioncanada.ca where you can check out All of our content and all the various things that we're doing over there. So I would strongly recommend you do that. And it is the season of giving. So we do pray that you would prayerfully consider leaving us a donation, uh, helping us continue to build and grow the programming here into the future. We have some really new and exciting things coming down the pike here. We've had some wonderful conversations in the past with uh, Drs. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, Deanna McLeod. She has some wonderful conversations with Mike. If you want to know the latest on vaccines and medical tyranny and just all these things, we're covering it on our programming, and we're touching on subjects that the mainstream media will not touch on. So if you find value in that, please, we would ask that you would scan the QR code at the bottom of the screen or go over to Liberty Coalition Canada dot com slash donate. There's a donate tab at the top of the page, and if you would go over there and leave a donation, if you want to specifically donate to our news and analysis and what we're doing here on the Dispatch and what Mike does on Open Mike, you can actually get yourself a charitable tax donation. Uh, report and receipt because we with our partnership with the Christian week now have that ability to do that for you so definitely go over there and finally last of the housekeeping reach out to us directly at liberty coalition canada sorry at info at liberty coalition canada dot com with any comments, questions, concerns, we do love to hear from you. So we would recommend that you go over and do just that.
0: Christmas is really just a few days away. And today is December the 20th. So if you haven't purchased all your gifts for everyone, you are definitely going to be in the time crunch. But even though it is just a few days away, there's still time to purchase gifts For your loved ones, and depending on what you purchase, it may be more of a boxing day or post-Christmas gift, but nevertheless, you can be certain, as you've seen and heard already this time of year, that all of the woke and status coffee companies that you despise and that ultimately despise you and your worldview will be offering you cute little gift bags filled with bitter coffee and pagan mugs, all in an effort to take your money and fund their corporate socialism. That's why we're thankful here for our friends at Resistance Coffee. They also have a wonderful gift idea for the holidays. Not only does their coffee taste fantastic, they also use part of your money to fund the fight for freedom and liberty in Canada. So head over to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC and give the gift of coffee. You can purchase a little resistance, which is two bags of coffee and a mug of your choice with some stickers and a resistance gift bag. For $55 plus free shipping, or you can purchase a lot of resistance, which is four bags of coffee and two mugs of your choice, some stickers and a resistance gift bag for $95 plus free shipping. Head over to resistancecoffee.com LCC and give the gift of coffee and make sure you use that slash LCC. That way they know that we sent you.
2: Well, Andrew, here we are at the beginning of another week. And as we like to do, we like to queue up our week in review so we can cover a bunch of the stories that came out in the previous week.
0: So, Andrew, our first nuts, Canada's nuts. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we are insane. We're we're like long and short of it. We're I wasn't insane. like that wasn't hyperbolic. It is Canada is now in a sane asylum and our <laughs> federal government who are the nuttiest of the bunch have been given keys and access cards. And it is it just feels like every day is another it's just another information dump from the Babylon Bee, except it's all real. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And to those of you who might be detractors to some of the language we've used in the program before saying that we have a totalitarian regime and that the government's uh, Leviathan tentacles have reached into every aspect of Canadians lives. Uh, You need to look no further than the first story that we are bringing to you. And, uh, Andrew, this story is the fact that the federal government's ban on plastic straws and other single-use plastics is now coming into effect. From the National Post, Canada will impose a ban on on the manufacturing and import of single-use plastics starting on Tuesday, that would be Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. The new rules cover plastic checkout bags, cutlery, stir sticks, and certain hard-to-recycle food containers. Single-use plastic straws will also be eliminated, although there are some exceptions. Businesses have to use up their remaining inventory of these items by December 2023, lest they fall afoul of our federal self-righteous bureaucrats. The manufacturing and importing of six-pack plastic rings for drink containers will also be banned in June 2023, with their sale ending a year after that. The latest step is part of the federal government's wider effort to meet zero plastic waste target by 20 20- 30 according to the government's website or instead of 2030 Andrew we should just come to know it as year 0 because <laughs> this is this is what is trying to be implemented by these regimes across the world all in lockstep with the UN 2030 agenda and um i mean it's so absurd this is so beyond the scope of what government is instituted by God to do. It is it is laughable. It is ridiculous. Um, but this is how absurd our government is and childish and unserious. You know, They can't do the basic things, the basic tasks that they're given by God to do. They can't do the tasks that they've taken upon themselves to do, which are outside of their purview. But now they're so self-righteous that they're implementing plastic bands. It's so crazy. Nevertheless, here we are, and we all have to drink out of disgusting cardboard straws. Like nobody would have ever thought, hey, if I'm going to make a straw, the ideal material to make that straw out of is something that when it gets wet, it gets soggy and floppy and bends. Um, but that's what happens when the government gets involved in planning the economy.
0: Yeah, that's you know what? That right there, that's someone should put that on t shirt. <laughs> so whenever the government gets their hands on it, it's getting get soggy, floppy, cardboard. and yeah, yeah, yeah. The government exactly. government government equals soggy, floppy, bendy economy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, cardboard paper paper straws suck. Um and pun intended, they, they're terrible. Uh, but the irony of this is the actual wasteful nature of the policy. Number one, the amount of money they're going to be spending with compliance officers and making sure that this is all implemented is a waste. So they don't mind wasting our tax dollars. Number two, this increase in paper products, I mean, paper comes from trees, so cut more trees down, increase the paper cardboard production to offset the plastic thing, even though most of that plastic is recyclable anyways, I guess they're they're worried about people that just I don't know just for fun throw plastic away. I mean, I'm sure there are those people. it's just to me it just reeks of more waste. It's whenever they get their hands on something, we're wasting money, we're mas- we're wasting time. you know it's it's the same argument over hybrid and electric vehicles. Yes, hybrid and electric vehicles don't use the same natural gas. Okay, whatever. But the kind of strip mining and the kind of open mining that's done to get the lithium and the cobalt to manufacture the batteries is actually pretty destructive to the environment. And those batteries and electric cars are not recyclable. And so the the the, the weird kind of bait and switch, and it's not really a bait and switch. Um, it's just it's an irony that what they're saying is we want to do that which is less wasteful when what they end up doing ends up being more wasteful or more harmful or more detrimental in other ways. It's just the the utter incompetence of our federal government because, again, they're not the guards. They're the craziest of the insane asylum. (laughs) They've just been given the keys and the access cards, but they're – they're just the worst. They're just the worst.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. It's moralistic, self-righteous behavior, but that's, what's wrapped up in this whole green environmental, uh, religious movement. I mean, this is self-justification. you know, you can feel like a moral, just individual as though you're really doing something good for yourself and society by, grinning and burying it as you have to suffer through using inferior products just so you can say you don't use plastics. I mean, this is what happens when green activists get control of civic life is they impose their diktats on everybody. I don't think the government should be in the business of telling what businesses they should, what type of straws they should be using or what type of bags they should be using. It's totally absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, also even just like the single use aspect of plastic grocery bags, man, I, every house that I know of everybody, their garbage cans are filled with these, nobody is taking these bags home and just like
0: smashing them into the garbage immediately. No, what we're but- doing is we're taking them home and we're strangling birds to death. That's what they would oh, have. Think. Yeah. <laughs> they were, we're strangling turtles and birds to oh, death. Yes. We're going in the, in the lake. And we're just we're hanging ducks by these plastic bags. The I mean, So when when we think about this, like no 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 reasonable person would say it probably makes more sense to give the federal government even more authority mm-hmm. and more jurisdiction and more power. Unless of course you're the mayor of Ottawa. In that <laughs> case, and this leads to our next story. we well, would be- think that's exactly what they need: is more power and more authority. But before we move on, I just want to just
2: highlight the fact that. Right now, our federal government thinks giving their sign-off to the death of pre-born infants is appropriate, ushering elderly and sick people, whether mentally or physically, to their deaths with state-sanctioned approval. Those are righteous behaviors. Not giving the death penalty to mass murderers righteous behaviors you know what is illegal and unrighteous
0: drinking from a plastic straw and using plastic spoons to eat your soup how dare you (laughs) that's where canada is in 2023 how how dare you (laughs) You've, you've stolen my childhood that's, but that's, anyways,
2: that's... take the next story. I just needed to highlight yep. the re- the utter absurdity of where we are in Canada. So again,
0: you again, you would think that no reasonable person would say give them more power and give them more jurisdiction. But the mayor of Ottawa, who leads the leads the Canadian political football league in fumbles in the last year and a half, has decided to do just that. So the mayor of Ottawa is considering giving control of the street in front of Parliament Hill, that's Wellington, over to the federal government. This is also from the National Post. Ottawa Mayor Mark uh, Sutcliffe says he is open to giving the street in front of Parliament Hill to the federal government, but he says simply redrawing maps won't solve all the lingering concerns left by the Freedom Convoy. What are are the, the lingering concerns? What to do with all the leftover hats and hand warmers? And, uh, and, and Canadian flags and French toast. What, what, oh brother, what will Ottawa do? Anyways, a parliamentary committee recommended this week the government should take responsibility for both Wellington and nearby Spark Street as part of several steps to ensure the Freedom Convoy doesn't repeat itself. Quote, I'm not opposed to the idea of the parliamentary precinct expanding and looking at solutions, but that alone is not going to solve the problem the Ottawa mayor said quote no matter where those lines are we're still going to have to work together to police downtown ottawa and respond to demonstrations and threats so i i can't so the mayor so le- the the mayor basically sounds like uh like a like a social media diva from a couple years ago and so the mayor <laughs> the mayor's looking at wellington street and the mayor's thinking about another freedom convoy. And the mayor is saying, I can't even government, please take take care of it for me. Yeah. That's basically what's going on here. I can't even. Mm-hmm. So please, federal government, you just you make sure it doesn't happen again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously this is um for fear of their own Canadian citizens, right? Um Lest there be other demonstrations, uh, let the federal government take control of those streets near Parliament, so they can institute all sorts of uh, strict measures to avoid, you know, ordinary Canadian citizens trying to redress their government on the federal level for for, for grievances. I mean, it's crazy, but. Why should we be surprised that the ultra liberal mayor in Mark uh, Sutcliffe in on Ottawa, in a super progressive city that is the where all the swamp people in Canada reside? is willing to give the incompetent feds more and more power um lest we have another incident like the freedom convoy which you wrote an article about uh andrew which we will link in the description uh, below it is the first article that you've published with uh, christian week in partnership with them um, and it shows how all histrionics aside all hysteria aside the feds did not meet the threshold to declare the Emergencies Act. And that's just on its face. You don't really have to get into really complex argumentations. It's just abundantly clear that they didn't meet those measures. Yet it was the Residents of Ottawa. It was the people surrounding Parliament that had the most whining and complaining to do. It's about- the phantom
0: honking map. The phantom. Yes. Honking. Yes.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Every Even time though- I
0: see a goose, now I get nightmares because <laughs> yeah. that honk just. I spiral back to. They were singing "Oh Canada" so loud. All those. All those kids. I'm such a miserable leftist, progressive yeah. gargoyle. That everyone Mm. needs to be miserable just like me with my purple hair and seeing all these kids and their moms smiling as they continue to support the reality of moms and dads and families and freedom in Canada. It just makes me so angry. They need to be all – they need to be as miserable and as lonely as I am. Mm -hmm. And so – Please don't come back to Ottawa. Never mind that there was an 80% drop in crime while the Freedom Convo was there. Because that would be something good for Ottawa. No, no, no. No, thanks. We don't want that here.
2: Well, the insanity on the federal level, Andrew, doesn't end at banning plastic straws or giving government more control over the area surrounding Parliament. uh, lest Canadians uh, want to uh, protest in the area. It also extends to the fact that the federal government has created a post-COVID-19 condition in Canada document, and this is from the Government of Canada's website. In Canada, as of August 2020, more than 1.4 million people say they experience symptoms three months or more after their initial infection these include respiratory cardiovascular neurological and cognitive impairments and they can be debilitating these symptoms are collectively identified as post-covid-19 condition PCC or long covid in addition to health PCC has a significant socio- socio-economic impact on individuals and communities amongst other things PCC impacts the labor market the workplace and social support programs the task force has 18 recommendations you can check the link to read them For yourself, but suffice it to say, they are basically suggesting three things. So that link will be in the description below. We need to spend more money and grow a bigger bureaucracy to deal with PCC or long COVID as it's commonly referred to. They need to increase the power and the authority of the federal government. It seems like that's the solution to all the problems. Hmm, interesting. It's almost as if, if that's their answer and they'll just find anything to to get their very circular reasoning anyways. And third, they need to keep people crippled with fear and anxiety and never move on from the last three years. So, you know, we can understand PCC, Andrew, as the PTSD of C-19, <laughs> if if you want to understand it in, in that understanding but the, the fact of the matter is as we actually know more about su- supposed long COVID um, we're finding out from s- studies Marty McCary did one I will link that into the description below so you can just cross reference these with actual scientific studies with what's being forwarded by our government but um, there's a significant psychosomatic um, element to long COVID that people with uh, more anxious behaviors. Um tend to say, report feeling sick for longer periods of time. But there is no really hard and fast data that shows that COVID-19 is unique amongst uh, viruses in in how long it lasts. Because we've all gotten colds before. I'm actually sure, Andrew, you've gotten a cold outside of COVID-19 in the last two years that has hit you harder and last longer than what you experienced with COVID-19. I certainly have. Um, so the colds linger. They tend to linger. Um, it's not a surprise to anybody that this happens. It's pretty normal. But again... This is just another reason that the federal government can glom on to to suggest that they need to take some sort of emergency powers unto themselves to to keep you safe. It's for your betterment, for your good. Um, And apparently this is going to continue the the covid-19 pandemic um, into perpetuity at this point. It's hard to see when they're going to let off the brakes here. Or uh, yeah, I or let off the gas part of me.
0: When I when I look at all this, I mean i I see right through all of this. This is all this is all smokescreen. This is all euphemism, and I'm going to help you to see through this. So when they say that PCC has significant socioeconomic impact on individuals and communities, that it affects labor market, the labor market, the workplace, and social support programs. You know what really affects those? Shutting down businesses and crushing an economy. You know who did that? Our governments did that, not PCC. They're the ones that created the economic problems that we have right now. They're the ones that have driven up inflation. They're the ones that have lowered the value of the money that we work for. So they created this problem, not PCC. So here's another thing. Do you know what increases a person's likelihood not only of getting sick, but also the degree to which they will have more severe symptoms. If they find themselves in the midst of a free-floating fear and anxiety and worry and isolation, that actually has a profound effect on your immune system. So people will get more sick and for longer, not because of PCC, but because you've isolated them and you've made them afraid and anxious and worried to see or touch other people because all they think they are now is vectors for transmission. Oh, and by the way, you know what else will damage someone's immune system and make it more, make them more susceptible to getting sick for longer, locking them inside of their house for two years, preventing them from coming in contact with any good bacteria or any viruses or other people, making sure that they don't get sunlight and fresh air, and that they're active. These things also affect someone's immune system. Or you know what else also affects someone's immune system, putting experimental gene therapy in them and poisoning them. That will also affect, so all the things that they're saying, what they're trying to say is look at, let's survey the landscape of Canada. Right now, people, this is what they're saying, which may or may not be true, but what they're saying is people are getting sicker for longer and it's lingering. Oh, and we're seeing the effects in the workplace and in the economic, okay, but what they're not, and they're saying the reason is, oh, because COVID is longer. That's it. Long COVID, PCC, that's the problem, but they're not addressing what the real problems are which are the mandates, the restrictions, the lockdowns, the economic crushing, making people afraid, isolating people, poisoning people, actually artificially weakening people's immune systems. They did all of that, by the way. They did all of that. So don't, don't buy any of this nonsense for a second. Even if we concede that people are more sick or people are getting sicker for longer, which may or may not be true, but let's assume it is true. I would contend that the reason for that is not because of PCC or long COVID. It's because of mandates, rules, restrictions, and practices from our elected officials and health czars that have weakened us, that have made us more afraid, more alone, that have crushed the economic life and well-being of our country, that they've created the problem, but in grand leftist fashion, they made the problem and now they're saying, and we're the only solution to the problem. If you wanna fix the problem that we made, it's going to take – and you should look at some of these 18 recommendations from the task force. But the answers to the problems are we need to spend more of your money, we need to make our government bigger, and we need to increase our authority and power over you. So this this is just – this is loony country. Mm-hmm. This is where well, we live now. They've done this okay. damage – And now they're saying, we can fix it. Mm -hmm. But what they're proposing to fix it, by the way, is more of the same problems. Because what they're proposing is more spending, which is why we're here. (laughs) More inflation, which is why we're here. More tyranny, which is why we're here. More fear, which is why we're here. It's only going to perpetuate the problem.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, this last story is a doozy. And this is really... You know, it is it is tragic. I, as somebody who's worked in the, the pro-life movement who has done anti-abortion work for, for a long time, I know the benefit that crisis pregnancy care center centers are to to Canadians across this country. I've seen it firsthand. I know so many people who are um, a part of those pastoral care elements in the pro-life movement across our nation. Um but for all the good they do, for all the help that they've given, that doesn't mean they're going to escape the jaws of leftist tyranny and ideology. And the really, really tragic story is it's only going to hurt mothers who are in need um, because these these um, centers do some great work. The story that I speak of is the fact that the federal government will remove charitable status from pregnancy care centers. From LifeSite News, on December 2nd, during a regular question and answer session in the House of Commons, Pro abortion New Democratic Party NDP MP Leah Gazan from Winnipeg Center. That's that's my writing here in Winnipeg. Thank you, Leah. You are the worst, you Marxist communist Jezebel. Anyways, Gazan asked Liberal Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance uh the journalist Christia Freeland who doesn't have any business being a minister of finance but she's got the right ideology anyway um what the status was regarding the Liberals uh Liberals party's 2021 election platform promise for no longer providing charitable status to anti abortion organizations, such as crisis pregnancy centers. Freelam answered as follows. Under the common law, charitable purposes fall under one of four categories. Relief of poverty, advancement of education, advancement of religion, and other purposes beneficial to the community. All registered charities are required to ensure that the information that they pri- provide is accurate and evidence-based and are prohibited from disseminating information that is false or misleading. Our government remains committed to no longer providing charity status to anti-abortion organizations that provide dishonest counseling to women about their rights and about the options available to them at all stages of pregnancy. Okay, pause, I wanna go back. Let us look at the criteria that, that Freeland cites because this is really, really important. So relief of poverty. Do you, these pregnancy care centers help relieve poverty? Absolutely, they do. They walk with mothers, many of them who are low income. They help them find jobs. They give them resources like diapers, all sorts of things that cost quite a bit bit of money when you're having kids. So they are absolutely engaged in poverty relief. They also advance education. They advance education in all other options save abortion. Which is the direct, direct and intentional killing of an innocent pre-born human being. So they say that's no ba- bueno. But here's a bunch of options as as it is uh, pertains fostering or adoption or you know just prenatal, postnatal classes. They'll help you with all those things. So they absolutely are educating people. The advancement of religion. Well, certainly a lot of them have a religious side to them and other uh, purposes beneficial to the community. So that's very, very broad, right? We're talking about an extraordinarily broad, vague criteria that obviously it shouldn't be hard to make uh, make the case that these pregnancy care centers check off all four boxes that would be under that criteria, and they certainly are doing that which is beneficial to the community. Now, the fact of the matter is how do you define that community is, is what we're going to get to. But I also want to highlight, Andrew, before you jump in here with your comments because I know you have some, just the dangerous precedent that these words set. Freeland says, okay, maybe, maybe this is how she would argue. Maybe they fall into to those categories, but they can't give misinformation right is is even if you fall under those rubrics in our common law as being a registered charity if we the government decide that you, what you're saying is miss or disinformation we will remove your charitable status now churches need to realize they just passed bill c4 A year or so ago, now it went into effect, right? Bill C4 clearly says preaching the doctrine of biblical man and woman sexuality, of anthropology from a biblical world and life view, of the goodness of God's created purpose, creative purposes, and design for human beings in creation is a myth. So that would be misinformation, disinformation. It's not evidence-based, right? Disseminating, disseminating false information that is harmful to Canadians. So they're coming for CPCs right now. But how by this lo- logic that is being used to take charitable status away from, uh, from pregnancy care centers... How is that not applicable to churches, especially given the fact that our country has already passed into law with royal assent, Bill C-4? This is a monumental decision that must wake people up. And that's the really scary part about this is, again, just how the government controls charitable status right now is so coercive, it's so evil, it's so wicked because they get to be the arbiters and arbitrary arbiters of who gets this special tax benefit and who doesn't. It's it's dangerous. And, and this is extraordinarily wicked behavior by the Marxists in our parliament, which includes the New Democrats, the Greens, the NDP. And the block
0: for a lot of them anyway. So I, there, there's a lot to, to unpack here. The first one is you've already pointed out that pregnancy care centers do meet those four criteria. Without a doubt. Like, they, there's they, no they, they do that, right? Yeah. I mean, like, for example, our church is sponsoring a particular family this Christmas time. It's a single mom with three kids and one more on the way. Now, the federal government would have would have had her murder all four of her children. Apparently that's the more virtuous thing to do, but here she is. And so we've kind of sponsored her and we're going to be doing some gifts and helping to bless the kids. And that's great. And so pregnancy care centers do everything that uh, under common law, they're supposed to do. So she's clearly speaking, Christia Freeland is out of both sides of her mouth. So that's, but I mean, welcome to the world of elected officials and our federal government, they, they could put on a masterclass on that very practice. Um, but I agree with you, Matt, that they are coming for churches next. Um, I think the play too, isn't just that being a registered charity grants you certain tax breaks. I think that they recognize that this is going to affect donations, right? There are a lot of, a lot of people who will not donate. <clears throat> excuse me. if, There's no tax receipt coming their way. Even people who are professing Christians. They also know legally that a registered charity cannot give money to another organization unless it's a registered charity, which means if pregnancy care centers remove their charitable status, that other churches legally won't be allowed to give money in donation to the pregnancy care center, meaning that they're gonna lose a huge amount of their donations. And so this isn't just about removing charitable status to remove tax breaks. This is about a stranglehold on the donations and the financial support of pregnancy care centers. So churches won't be able to give legally. Other charities won't be able to give legally. Other organizations that are not not necessarily churches, but that are Christian-minded charities won't be able to give. And they know for a fact that a lot of people will lessen or pull their donations if they can't get a tax receipt for it. And so they're going right for the funding. This will be the ruin of many pregnancy care centers. Here's another thing that she failed to mention that's baked into the Charities Act: if you are a registered charity and you let your charitable status lapse, right? So instead of doing your annual, um, your annual return and your charities return and making sure you're on the up and up, you just say, "I'm not going to fill the paperwork out." You let your charitable status lapse then that's fine your organization is no longer a registered charity but if for whatever reason your charitable status is revoked whether you say we'd like it to we'd like it to dissolve we would like you know to remove have our charitable status removed or legally because of hot water or in this instance you fail to meet if your charitable status is revoked then 100% of your assets must be liquidated and any capital you have is now given over to what the government deems as a qualified charity. And I can tell you that what they don't deem as qualified charities would be like Trinity Bible Chapel that might be seeing millions of dollars of fines for keeping their church open. So this is all stuff that the public doesn't know that you need to know about. Mm -hmm. So in Kingston, the Pregnancy Care Center here, I've been in contact with them. We've been talking about this very thing. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be writing another article for Christian Week, about this very issue and I'm going to be interviewing the director of the pregnancy care center here in Kingston. Mm-hmm. She's a godly woman and and we're going to be talking about this but we I mean I've chatted with her. They're trying to figure out what to do because if their charitable status is taken from them, then all of the money they have in the bank and all of their assets, everything they have in their space is to be liquidated and 100% of that is given over to the government to be distributed to a qualified charity of their listing. Mm-hmm. That's and people don't know so if I could just there's the last thing I'll say on this. If you are a church that's not a state church mm-hmm. or that's not a woke leftist church that's already given up ground on sexuality and inerrancy and and the scriptures, right if you're if you're an evangelical church that's remotely faithful, let me give you some advice that you need to consider seriously with your elders. You may want to let your charitable status lapse um, mm-hmm. don't I, I, I would I know this is tough. You need to have a very real series of meetings with your people. You need to tell them listen, there's a good chance that we're not you're not you're not going to be getting as generous a tax return this year if you give to the church if we're not a charitable organization. so expect less mm-hmm. but our expenses won't go away. so you got to have a very real meeting with your people and say if our charitable status is revoked, We still need to honor the Lord and give as much, have that conversation. But I would recommend letting your charitable status lapse and not renewing it. Don't do any of the work to make sure that it's renewed annually, because if you are a charity and the government decides that you need to have your charitable status revoked by force, then everything you have, all the money, if you have a building, if you have land, all of that is liquidated. And all of that is then distributed to qualified donees as the government decides. So be prepared yeah. for that. Take care of the things the Lord has given you to steward. Um, and I would say, get ready to give it up.
2: Yeah, and that's that's the problem with the, the way that the Charities Act is structured as it is. Um, listen, the Church of Jesus Christ and the various ministries that ought to be attached to that. And I would, I would put CPCs in that, right? I I think if we're working in a positive framework, these are organizations that churches can set up and, and run. Caesar has no right to tax the church because the church of Jesus Christ is an embassy of Christ in this world. And, uh, just as China has no right to tax c- Canadians um, and Canada, neither does Canada have a right to tax the Church of Jesus Christ. And this is something that, Andrew, I think churches have to, to recognize, that if we go along with this stuff, we're going to be forced to render unto Caesar what is God's. And that is just... it as inappropriate as not rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's in the formula that our Lord uh, lays out we have to really consider what's going on here and churches should a be thinking about how they can start these ministries if their local CPC is dying or how they can support them to remain open what we can do maybe to shelter some of their funds if if need be uh, so that all this this capital isn't being liquidated over to the government immediately, we have to get into contact with some of these organizations and see how we can help them. But then we also, as you've made mention, Andrew, we have to have these serious conversations because as someone who sits on a board of, um, or an organization that not, doesn't yet uh, have charitable status. This is, these are conversations we're really having is you know, is it worth it? Is is it truly worth it um, to get that tax receipt if, for whatever reason, the government's going to be able to um, attack the organization because of that status? And when I worked for CCBR, we were we never had charitable status, right? Like a lot of these um, CP, crisis pregnancy centers or uh, whatever, um, or, you know, right to life groups, they were grandfathered in because they existed before this act, a charitable act was put in place. So they were grandfathered into it as ha- having charitable status. But as a new organization that was an anti-abortion organization, they were never gonna give us charitable status. But in a lot of ways, despite the fact that they, that might've hurt the fact that some people don't wanna give if they're not gonna get the, the tax receipt, it, we were never beholden to the government. They could never use that as, as a cudgel over our heads to beat us with. And there was great freedom and power that came with that. And I think far too often, especially in our nation, um, the gospels watered down. The full-orbed view of the kingdom of God and what that means for every area of life is uh, skirted around because churches are worried if... Hey, if I speak out in politics, if I speak out in real everyday matters, the government potentially can come for me and – that's a level of cowardice that has to be jettisoned out of the church. So if that means you can't get charitable tax receipts, and we get rid of that nonsense, you know, I think it would be a good trade off. But these are serious conversations that Christian organizations, Christian charities, and churches are going to have to be having because, I mean, how could this logic not extend to you know a myriad of different Christian organizations. Considering the fact that in law we have Bill C four, it's it's this is a huge story that not enough people are talking about. And I'm looking forward to that article, Andrew, with various people who are working for CPCs because um, they're they're on the ground fighting this battle right now. So,
0: well, while we're talking about money and stewardship, and in case you haven't noticed. By the flashing green, white, and red lights behind both Matt and myself. It is Christmas time. Christmas is just four days away. I know because my kids ask about a gazillion times a day when Christmas is. So, this Christmas season, give the gift of financial freedom and sovereignty to your loved ones with Bitcoin, an uncensorable network programmed around digital scarcity where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. As Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013, Bull Bitcoin is a completely self funded company led and operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are their top priority. Customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet where they have complete control. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money, you own the money. Head to mission.bullbitcoin.com. Today, slash LCC to get started with your account. And don't forget to contact Bull's best in the business customer support team for assistance at any point in the process. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Well, Matt and I had the opportunity and the joyous privilege of being able to interview Jeremy Bundy. Jeremy Bundy, who is the president of JKB Productions, Mm -hmm. who also produced the Antichrist and His Ruin documentary that Matt and I got to see live at the premiere in Waterloo that is now available. So it's now available for you to purchase the documentary or to purchase a church license, if you want to show it more broadly as a church event. And so we're going to talk about that with Jeremy. We're going to talk about, really what led to the creation of this documentary and what it is that they hope to see as a result of this documentary for Christians and for Canadians. So we want to show you that interview right now. We are welcomed by Jeremy Bundy here on The Dispatch. Jeremy Bundy is the owner and founder of Jeremy Bundy Films and Boniface Business Solutions, If you like the Liberty Coalition Canada website, and you should, you should thank Jeremy for that and his hard work. He's also the director of Antichrist and His Ruin, which is what we're talking with Jeremy about today. He and his wife, Kelsey, live in the Niagara area, and together they have three children. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us on The Dispatch.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys.
0: So, Jacob Rayom comes to you with the idea for the documentary, He's been reading some John Bunyan or he, he, he had a few years ago. And so this all comes together. So he pitches the vision to you, this idea for the documentary. So based on what he says, based on what he brings you, what becomes your vision for the documentary? How do you want to put it together? What's driving your creative process based on what he brings you? And now you need to create this. Talk to us about your thinking and really your vision for how to put this together.
1: Yeah, well, Jacob is a a pretty creative guy. And so when he came to me and pitched me the idea, um, he did a really good job and I I loved it. Uh, The first thing we did is we sat down and we storyboarded the whole thing. So we laid out the the whole argument from beginning to end. And in that first meeting, we basically decided that we wanted to help people. We wanted to build an argument. We wanted to tell the story well in order to disarm people because we were hearing so many different uh, arguments that Uh, had no historical um, factual uh, position to them Uh, we were hearing arguments uh, from pastors within the church that you know um, historically baptists have just done whatever the government said and there's no precedent for um, for defying uh, the government and we were hearing you know freedom fighters want to fight for freedom but not necessarily know where freedom came from we were hearing canadians uh, not understand that. Uh, Canada was uh, historically a, a Christian nation, and so all of this all of this noise around us uh, helped us uh, form the the storyboard in a way that really helped address a lot of those issues, and build an argument that could help um, each person in those different groups of people. Uh, really build a an argument, really build a uh, categorical thinking for where freedom comes from, um, build a precedent for the church uh, defying tyranny and um, help Canadians actually uh, recapture their uh, their freedom that historically came from from the gospel impact uh, on our land so.
0: Yeah. So, what and- becomes your vision for putting it together then? So, I guess, as, you, as in the actual nuts and bolts of, so like the, uh, if I'm correct, all of the animation was done by Les Lanfair, who did right. the movie yeah. Calvinist. So, I, it looked familiar. Um, so, in your thinking of putting this together, obviously, you have interviews, you have animations, you have a bunch of historical videos and news clips that you put together. So, after you kind of have this idea of what you want to communicate, what uh What starts going on in your mind? how do you th- you know how do you think about how you want to lay it out, put it together and, and just create you know creativity wise what's what's going on in your brain? Because I mean, the finished product is phenomenal. I mean the, the, mm-hmm. the like production yeah. the production quality yeah. is as good as anything I've seen. I remember sitting in Trinity looking over to my wife who was beside me, saying, "This is as good as any documentary I've seen." It's just in terms of production value and obviously being grounded in truth. So mission accomplished. But at well, the earliest you. stages, what uh, what's going on is you're thinking, how am I going to form this thing? How am I going to put it together?
1: Yeah, so I knew that there was a lot to address in it just with the size of the storyboard. So um, whenever you have a lot of information going forward, it's it, you really want to keep people engaged uh, with with what's going on. And I know that... You know, if you sit down for a movie, the thing that keeps you engaged is that cinematic feel. It's the way that the music works together to help uh, bring the emotions along with what's being said. Um, so I knew that I really wanted to do my best to create a flow throughout the whole thing that really captured uh, the person who was watching it to do, uh, to, to, to really make a, a cinematic experience uh, out, of, out of the whole thing in order... You know, to to keep the attention of of the person that's watching. So, I knew that I wanted uh, great locations for interviews, locations that help tell the story. I know that I wanted the lighting to look a certain way. Um, I know that I wanted the the camera movements to to be. Uh, you know, it was it was hard to be one guy on location and add the camera movements. In uh, thank goodness for technology and some of the automation. Uh, that I was using for, for those interviews, but I knew that I wanted all of this to come together in, in a really cinematic experience for the, for the person watching. Um, so each, yeah, like I said, each location tells a story. Um, you know, you think of Steve Richardson and we, we filmed his in, in an old, uh, factory that was being, uh, redone, rebuilt. And, uh, there was sheets of drywall up up against the wall, waiting to be put on. And part of Steve's story is he lost his uh, his pastoral job and had to uh, get uh, pick up a, a manual labor job hanging drywall. Um, and so, like each location, if you, if you go through and watch it, each location tells a story. The lighting tells a story. The the music uh, helps tell the story, uh, and it really all points to just that um cinematic experience that i was i I kind of envisioned uh when we were sitting there putting the storyboard together the way you use the piano i noticed when
0: i was watching it that you'd have whenever it was like a happy time the piano was very light and in major chords and then all of a sudden it would start to slowly transition to minor chording and minor chord progression i was like uh uh-oh we're about to see there's back so, it's it, and so yeah. right and so you could feel and so that anticipation of like oh this is really good and all of a sudden bum, 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 mm-hmm. bum, 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 bum. i'm like oh boy what, oh, what's, comes, yeah. what's what's true what's trudeau
2: about to do now yeah
0: so yeah yeah
2: and and uh just for my end as someone who's done a lot of production and editing and stuff like that i just was blown away by you know what you were able to accomplish like you said by really creating this cinematic experience because it is a info heavy documentary right you're you're taking people along an argument uh along for a ride in history so it can get a little dry if you're not, you know, adding all those different elements and and really, you know, capturing those emotions, right? Because emotions come through the ears with the score and with how you kind of put everything together. So I was really appreciative. Uh, I mean, we're watching in the background some of the beauty of, of the film and everything that you were able to do with your production team. Um, so shout out to you guys because I know how tedious it is. I know you probably had uh, hundreds of hours worth of uh, film that you had to scrub through so um props there the one thing for me jeremy that i thought this film is extraordinarily helpful because not only are you presenting an argument that's very coherent it's well laid out not only are you presenting history to show hey this is actually in a long tradition of you said baptist but it also goes to protestant resistance theory it, what it, defying tyrants has been a part of the lifeblood of reformers throughout history. So laying out those arguments, but especially for Canadians, I think there's a lot to grasp in this documentary because uh, so many times we're watching American films that are bringing principles and concepts forward to us that we have to then filter up into our context and make sense of it in the Canadian context, but was so helpful for for me, and I think for a lot of uh, the people listening and viewing this podcast, is the fact that you set the documentary in a Canadian context. So maybe you can talk about your kind of desired outcome from the documentary and what you hope Canadians can understand from what you've put forward here in the Antichrist and his ruin. Hmm.
1: Well, early on, and uh, this is a shout out to Cross polit- the Cross politic Boys, um, just because we we met with them, and one of the points that they uh, said, you know, you got to make sure that you, uh, you know, you build this foundation that you are not uh, the rebels, because um, there's a there's this narrative going forth from the progressive left uh, that really seeks to paint any traditionalist into, um, you know. They, they changed the narrative to, to paint you as some sort of um, psycho who hates progress and they really try to paint you as a rebel and so we knew that uh, we wanted to utilize historical fact in order to build an argument that uh, painted uh, the Christians as the ones that are trying to uh, save our country, the ones that are trying to preserve the foundational heritage that we have and and the love of freedom and uh seeing the gospel impact uh that canada's seen uh in its history we we really wanted to do uh, well at preserving that and then uh letting letting people know that we aren't we aren't the rebels right we are we are the ones that want to save canada we're not the ones that want to uh see it destroyed
2: Absolutely. And in God's providence, we got... To, as I cut to your screen, there was uh, the, the motto of Canada behind you, which is <laughs> r- literally grabbed uh, from Psalm uh, 72. And and that is w- what I think is so helpful is you have Andre Schutten in the film, who leads us through Canadian constitutional history, British common law. I mean... Uh, Dr. Joe boot is like flying out of his seat to tell us about, uh, the British common law tradition. It's
1: awesome. I've I've never seen him get so excited about (laughs) anything in his life.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. So, so I think it is very helpful because it does set the story of, what's going on in the Canadian context, even going back to what uh, the expo uh, there in Montreal had, had to do how this, this change in religious devotion from a Christian constitutional monarchy to, um, this kind of pluralistic multicultural, um, identity. It was really progressive in its ideology and it was well thought out. They, they had a plan of attack. They had an agenda and they, as you've said they were the revolutionaries who were trying to form canada into something that was totally different than it was founded to be so i do appreciate the fact that 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 narrative did come across so if that was your goal you did it very successfully because that does come across in the film for sure
0: oh thank you it also to your point jeremy that that there is a there's an idea floating around a caricature floating around a kind of floating around, not just about the documentary, but about a number of the pastors who were involved, who were interviewed and who were part of this, whatever you want to call it, quote unquote, freedom churches or nonconformists that really what we're about is we're about being scofflaws and anti-authoritarian and really kind of beating ourselves on the chest and looking down at those who, you know, close their churches for whatever reason and the reality is the documentary very clearly says, listen, there, were, there was a, a huge swath of evangelicalism that did comply, that did close their church, and it was exposed, and it was dealt with, and the hypocrisy of their position was dealt with, and their butchering of Romans 13 was dealt with. But that was just a small part of the documentary, really, the document, especially the end, the, the hopeful picture of Christian families having kids taking dominion that this is how we win right the the home is how we win mm-hmm. the long walk through the history of our country the very clear exposing of this cultural behemoth that has been coming for western civilization the documentary is is not and even the fact that you have pastors in the documentary who openly admit that they failed at the beginning that they 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 played it wrong they didn't do what they should have done there was clear repentance like Alex Klusterman like to the point of tears you could see the the relief when he finally admitted he, it was wrong and he repented before his people. This was the opposite of an arrogant, self-congratulatory chest beating. This was a humble plea to protect the church and to fight for the God-given freedoms and rights that we have in our country, which come from him. And so for that reason, I would recommend that everyone, whether you're on our side of the nonconformist movement. Whether you shut down your church, whether you're opposed to decisions we made, if you're skeptical about the documentary, everyone needs to watch it because it's probably not what they think it is. And it's better than what they think it is. And it'll be more helpful than whatever they anticipate it will be. So we want to get everyone watching this. Everyone needs to Mm -hmm. watch this. Everyone needs to understand there hasn't been anything else like this in Canada. Something that clearly articulates our history, our legal history, and really the theological climate of what's going on in our country. So this is this is totally unique in that sense. So where can people? And Matt and I give our full-throated approval, and I plan on we plan on seven doing the church thing. Actually, <laughs> we plan thumbs. on. Well, if you take you take you take enough shots, you will have seven thumbs eventually. Yeah. That's how it'll play out, but. We plan on doing a multi-church viewing. There are a few other churches in the area. We're going to get all our people together and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people go, and what are the different options for viewing and for purchase just to make it as easy as possible for people to go and purchase this and watch it?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, you can go to com. We have turned that into a streaming platform. Uh, where you can buy the digital version and then gain lifetime access to stream it on any device, uh, whenever you want, wherever you want. And uh, in the new year, we are going to be doing our best to get this on DVD because there are some people that uh, like that as well. It was just impossible for us to get the shipping infrastructure together before Christmas. But there, is, um, there are options for giving a gift card that covers the cost of the DVD. So there's still gifting options for uh, people who would like to gift this to a compliant pastor, uh, to a politician, to a friend, to family uh, for Christmas. Um, so all the options are there at uh, antichristdocumentary.com.
2: Excellent, brother. That's well, great. thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for all your hard work, because I know it was a year of just tedious um, work for you. And I know, I know, it's both the funnest thing you can do is, you know, seeing this, this idea come to life. Uh, but it is stressful. And it is uh, a really, really ton of work on your end. So we're thankful that you took this project on, that you didn't shrink back from Jacob's idea and you you took it on and ran with it and obviously did such an amazing job. So I'm excited for people more broadly to be able to see the film. And we, again, would suggest that you go over and check it out at the website. You you would purchase it for your loved ones or those whom you disagree with, uh, as Jeremy said. uh, Purchase one for every single
0: person. Purchase one for every single person. Who's on the TGC Canada Council board? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Purchase one yes. for every single so, one of the somebody's... contributors
1: for TGC Canada. Get one, get two for them, please. Yeah, yeah. somebody's got to share it with someone, uh, a board member of Banner of Truth too, because I don't want to give too much away. But Banner of Truth, the Banner of Truth boys need to watch this documentary. So if they're listening, mm-hmm. hey, some, somebody send it to the Banner of Truth guys. No, that's
0: that's 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 fair. There's a number. Yeah, it's. This is good this is good stuff jeremy and i think you've uh, you've i think you've solidified your position as being a uh, a rather hot commodity in the christian canadian documentary world because i think what we've what we've seen this last in the last couple years and really what we're going to see in the years to come is that there will be a lot of stories that need to be told there's a lot of stuff. Hmm that has been exposed, a lot of stuff that we're going to have to deal with, and we're going to have to set the record straight and just how the church responds to what's going on in our country. Um, I think, uh, I think you've, you've basically made yourself the go-to guy. So it's time to, uh, it's time to get ready to expand your, your business and hire a (laughs) bunch of people because, uh, I think you're, if you haven't already had a dozen offers, you'll have two dozen, after we air this <laughs> uh,
1: this interview. so Absolutely. Thanks so much, boys. Yeah, just praying yeah. that the Lord's glorified through uh, through both of our efforts. And yeah, um, yeah looking forward to the future. Thanks, yeah, man.
2: Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: So if you haven't yet, you need to go purchase a copy of Antichrist and His Ruin. If you haven't seen it, if you're a pastor, then I would recommend contacting them about getting a church license, showing it at your church, maybe a few churches around. Make a big deal out of it. You definitely want to support the work that they're doing with the Antichrist and his ruin documentary. I also want to take a minute to tell you about our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. Obviously, you're out of mainstream media. That's why you watch us. and so We want to get you out of mainstream investment management too. Whether it's planning for retirement or just looking for ways to protect your wealth from overreaching government, Rocklink can help you out. They're not a big bank, and they're not owned by the Davos crowd. They're a private company filled with freedom-loving Canadians offering independent investment advice. Give them a call at 905-631-5462 or send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. Well, for the main story we want to cover today, I have to say... I'm 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 a big guy. I'm a big boy here. I was wrong. I was wrong. I called it wrong. I played it wrong. I'm not. I'm not trying to excuse it. It seemed that the messaging was all going one way. It seemed that you had, you know, Hamilton school board, the Halton school board had their little push for a bit. In Ottawa, they wanted to get mass back into schools. You had the messaging. This pretty consistent messaging. Oh, things were. There's going to be mass. There's going to so. Our chief medical officer has said Ontario has no plans to bring masks back. So I was wrong. You can say I told you so, and that's fine. However, however, (laughs) I want to be clear about this. What we're going to see in the wording from our chief medical officer is though I was wrong about bringing mask mandates back, I was very right about the nature of masks and what they do. We were very correct about the truth regarding masks and the effect that they have, whether it's psychological, whether it is physiological, that that there are, or kind of in terms of social effects, that there's damage done and the damage for many has been done and is probably irreparable after two and a half and three years of it. But we just need to be clear, no mask mandates, good news. Masks have done serious damage. That's the bad news. This is from the (laughs) Ottawa Citizen. It's from the Ottawa Citizen. This is Dr. Moore, our chief medical officer in Ontario. Quote, masking was one of our only tools when we didn't have vaccines and we didn't have oral outpatient treatments like Paxlovid. By the way, that's false. There were lots of other things like open a window, get outside and don't over hypersanitized so we had treatments that, and that's there was lot.
2: there was the nutraceutical uh, cocktail yeah. that men like dr peter mccullough were, were yeah. talking about and promoting and using to save people's lives that yeah. uh, the mainstream media and that big pharma didn't want you to know about because it wasn't a new drug that they could make ivermectin millions and millions and hydroxychloroquine and yeah. yep
0: now it's fine now it's on the list but it wasn't before well so. yeah
2: but but they have Paxlovid, right? So they just needed yep. time to get this repurposed drug that does very similar things to these other drugs that apparently you can't use because they're off patent. Well, we needed time to get this one on market so then we can make millions of dollars. Absolutely. Anyways, so continue.
0: As we said, all we had were masks, except for common sense and 50-year-old medicines. All we had were masks. So he continues. It was something we were dependent upon. That's false also. But we were obviously seeing, we are obviously seeing that there are some negative consequences to not being exposed to the normal respiratory pathogens over time, he said during an interview with the newspaper. Okay. Unqualified non-medical officials and non-medical experts like, you know, me, for an example, because I know me, was was, was thoroughly social media excoriated for saying something like, Hey man, if you put a mask over your face and hypersanitize, you're probably going to artificially weaken your immune system. It's probably going to be bad for you not being exposed to sunlight and fresh air and good bacteria. It might actually be more damn. What do you know? You're not a virologist. You're not an epidemiologist. You're not a doctor. You're just an anti-government conspiracy theorist. Blah blah blah. I was right. You were <laughs> or right? Or you might
2: have, or you might have been one of those crazy people that read Dr. Anthony Fauci's paper about how masks actually made the Spanish influenza worse. Yes, uh, but yeah,
0: or but, just, sh- or like I, I just remember sense. for years, for years, <laughs> the whole the mythology, right? The whole the whole idea around kids have to play in the dirt. We've over hypersanitized with this hand sanitizer. We've done more damage. They need good exposure. So we were right and we've been right for hundreds of years, but we were kooky. But turns out now that he has no other play, now that we're seeing certain effects. So he continues, I don't know if at a societal level we are ready to go back to mask mandates, he added, which... I mean, it's good news. Now, I don't know what he means by that at a societal level. Is that his way of saying that we need to break down people's wills even more before they'll comply? I don't know. But apparently, most people don't want it, and that's all they care about. That's that's science. I thought science was protecting people, but now it's people don't want it. So whatever kind of social science they're conducting here. So the Ottawa Citizen continues. The theory, which has been widely criticized by some experts is that public health measures were so effective at stopping COVID-19 and many other seasonal viruses that it has left very young children especially highly susceptible this year now that mandates have been lifted and more viruses are circulating. It counters some evidence that exposure to COVID is affecting some people's immune cells and weakening their immunity. That whole paragraph, by the way, is pure junk. Because you know what's affecting people's immune systems and making them weaker? Or you know what's jacked up illnesses? The gene therapy injection. That's wrecked people's immune systems. That's made people more sick and more susceptible. Or locking them indoors, or like we said earlier, bombarding them with fear and anxiety and, and panic and stress has weakened their immune system. Preventing them from touching other people and coming in contact with good bacteria has weakened their immune system. Lack of vitamin D has weakened their immune system. There was a study that came out in New York within a few months of COVID saying that 80% of the people who were in the hospital or in ICUs had vitamin D deficiencies. So that whole paragraph is junk. That's all garbage. This is a man-made problem. And I'm not talking about the virus, which is man-made. I'm talking about the response to the virus has generated these problems. We artificially weakened immune systems by everything that we did. And now they're trying to say, oh, well, some experts. And, oh, well, it's a little bit. This might be. No, no, no. Let's see through that garbage. We know what's going on. The article continues. But he... Dr. Moore, said his personal belief is that, quote, we have more susceptible children that have not been exposed previously, and that is causing this rise, end quote. He added that masking will always be an important public tool when unknown pathogens are spreading and there are no other tools available because it works. Wait, what? What? That seems to be... That seems to be the antithesis to what you've just said. You've just told us they do more damage and it does more harm. So probably not a good idea. But now you've said, but they work and they're the only two we have. So the next time we have an unknown pathogen, the next virus, then we'll mask up again because we don't know what to do. And then when we're done out of that virus and then we realize, oh man, it did a lot of damage. Maybe we shouldn't have done it so much. You're right. Until the next unknown, here's the cycle. So he, he continues. But once we have therapeutics and vaccines, ah, see, once the savior presents itself, continued masking can decrease our overall immunity to other viruses. This doesn't make sense. Masking is bad. Masking is good. It's whatever we say, that's what it is. That, that's what he should say. This, that is a lesson I think we are learning. What he's really saying is, like Fauci said, we are the science. If we say it's good, do it. If we say it's bad, do it. If we flip-flop within a week, it doesn't matter. We're the experts. Do what we say and just believe us without questioning. And even if it turns out you were right and with all our expertise and degrees we were wrong, it doesn't matter because we'll find a way to spin it to say that we were right. Uh, I, I don't even I, – I just like – we we told you so, but that's it. We told you so. This is it's it's I don't know, it's a little I don't know Matt. It's a little uh, it's a little frustrating, a little mind numbing, a little agitating, a little bit like right. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they, when have, you... they have damaged our children. Correct. Thank you for telling us what we were telling you, what we told you was going to happen.
2: Yeah, and when you talk about talking up out of both sides of your mouth in the situation, you don't have to look. Any further than the fact that Dr. Moore came out and apologized for appearing at a Toronto Life Party without a mask after he recommended their use. So that's been the whole situation throughout the pandemic. Um, These public health officials have bucked their own rules. Their recommendations have been coming out of both sides of their mouths. They've seemingly be, been in, implemented um, arbitrarily and all it's led to is just mass confusion and a decrediting of their institutional authority. If they ever had any, it's gone. And men like Dr. Moore are responsible for this. Um He said in hindsight, he wouldn't have gone to the the party, but anyways, it's, it's, it is frustrating. It is frustrating here.
0: There's a line he said he always wears a mask in public spaces such as stores and on transit but in social situations especially where there is food he does individual calculations about his risk but we were not allowed to make yes. those individual calculations But though. they're the specials. Well, he can, yeah, he can yeah. make the indi- he can say the let me choose whether or not I take the risk. The mass but media, I media not make that decision.
2: And the mass media and Justin Trudeau get to make those yeah. decisions when it's they're so on a plane evil. with the, with yeah. the elderly pope. You know, I mean, it's it's all the specials who get to make these decisions. But when it comes to you, ordinary Joe Blow, you can't make these decisions because yep. you're an idiot.
0: You're a, rube, up, you're a fool. You're you are conspiracy theorist. You're anti-government. Yeah. You're not allowed to make responsible decisions for your own health. But mm-hmm. we are you just have to do what we say. The the just the the arrogance and the evil wicked mm. nature of this to say we tell you what to do and we can do it this way but you can't. You can't be. In, you you can't do it. It's mm-hmm. just that people haven't. That there are people still who have not woken up to what's really going on and the utter corruption in the health establishment. Yeah. I, I think we've lost these people for good. Mm-hmm. I think people who still. So this is a strong thing. If you still wear a mask when you walk around outside, and if you're wearing a mask in your car alone, I think we have lost you for good. I don't think. Th- I don't think you're coming back to reality. I don't think you will ever be coming back to to being a, a anything that resembles a normal functioning human. I think you and if you continue to put masks on your children's face when you go out shopping and whatever, you you are damaged forever. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any coming back from that. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. But I think that's what we're, where we're at.
2: Yeah. And, and again, it's a situation where the supposed cure is likely more harmful than than the uh, the the virus itself, than what it was trying to to cure, uh, because not only ha- have masks and mask med mandates led to all sorts of social division, um, they've seriously impacted for the negative uh, kids' ability to learn, not only nonverbal communication, which is. People always say it's ninety percent. That's not a scientific number, but you know, quite a bit of our communication comes non-verbally, um, and it's expressed in the face. Right? the The face is the window to the soul. You know, um, those those are realities that we can't really put those numbers in, into spreadsheets and really figure that out. We can just see on the uh, on on the other side of this pandemic that the the state of education across this world has been weakened um the the state of anxiety and all these things um it's worse the mental health crisis is worse in canada after all of this um the the fact of the matter is there is not a strong correlation between heavy mask use and um Preventing COVID nineteen from spreading in a community that all these communities who put in mask mandates strictly had similar results to those who didn't. Uh, so, I mean, there's not even good justification for them. There is literally to this day no zero blind studies, which is the highest, um, you know, the gold standard as it as it pertains to science, on the effective use at masks to stop. A, a virus from spreading, especially one that um, is, is so minuscule as, you know, Omicron, the COVID-19 Omicron. Um, I mean, that's the thing. It's the supposed cure has been far worse than than the virus itself. And it will have such long term ramifications that we can't still wrap our head around that just embarking on these policies on a whim and then chastising those who would not go along with this as foolish, dangerous, hateful, unloving. Um, I mean, it just shows how foolish that is, how insane it is, how insane this whole thing has been. So we can be thankful that, you know, there is a, a modicum of some. Rationality being used here by Doctor Moore, but I mean the schizophrenia of his, you know, policies, his, you know, his speeches from week to week. It has led to mass confusion, and you know, the 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 sad part is, yeah, there is a like a lot of the masks were ineffective at stopping COVID, which was an aerosolized virus, uh, very small. Um, we're talking p- 0.1 micron, so extraordinarily small. But what it was more effective at stopping p- potentially was some of these other um, viruses, other flus and colds that are primarily spread through like droplets and and bigger particles. Um, so yeah, it's led to weakening immune systems in those very people who were not susceptible to the risks of COVID-19, especially, and it's had all sorts of bad, unintended consequences downstream. And again, it just it goes to show you the flippant, arbitrary, sometimes downright contradictory nature of what was imposed on us in the last two and a half years is... Is it's evidence for why we should not give these bureaucrats more control, but nevertheless, as we saw at the start of the program, Andrew, the answer to these ideologues is more control, more control, more centralized power. Oh, this is only this, this now gives us the reason why we have to control absolutely every aspect of your life, lest you be harmed by anything. And that's where we are. On the cusp of 2023. That's where we are in, in Canada. And it is a sad state of uh, of our culture.
0: And Dr. Moore saying something about masks, maybe being more harmful than good, is the sort of thing that got people banned on social media, or that got got their post covered in fact check. I'm speaking from personal experience here, of course. And so, what's what? There, there are lots of lessons to be learned. We've touched on a lot of the lessons regarding bureaucracies and tyranny and totalitarianism and and the the, the two facedness, double speak that comes from our government. But there's an, another lesson here, if I might be so bold as to say, is that if you want to actually hear an honest assessment of what's going on in the world. And if you actually want news and analysis from a Christian conservative, honest, objective worldview, and really if you want people who are not prophets just just happen to tell the future, I mean, the the last two years here at the Liberty Coalition Canada has basically been us telling you the future is us saying, listen, this is the truth about the jabs. This is the truth about the masks. This is what the lockdowns will do. This is going to be the play. This is what's going to happen legislatively. And then lo and behold, Finally, our tyrants have no choice but to admit these things. And then all of a sudden we look back and say, right, we told you that. So if you want to continue to hear about tomorrow's news today, and if you want to know what's going to be happening in our country in six months to a year, then you need to continue to join and listen and support us here at Liberty Coalition Canada because we're going to continue to say the things that will get us banned on social media today. Say the things that'll keep getting our videos blocked on YouTube. Say the things that'll get your friends and legacy media calling you a crazy conspiracy theorist, anti-government nut. But then in six to eight months, it'll come out that you were right all along because we were actually engaging in real honest discourse and real honest research and trying to understand truth and science because we love the Lord and because all truth is his truth. And because the only way to actually be rational or understand reality is if you do so from a Christian worldview. So please consider supporting us here at Liberty Coalition Canada, not just our news analysis, but the legal work that we do. We've been sending legal updates out and we will continue to do every Friday to the end of the year, highlighting the incredible work that we've been doing in the world of litigation and defending Canadians. We're going to continue to highlight some of our advocacy initiatives, one in particular that we want to talk about. Coming up on January 15th is Biblical Sexuality Sunday. Last year, after Bill C-4 became law, which made it illegal to say marriage and maleness and femaleness as God designs are normative and to be preferred, you can now go to jail for that. And so we decided that we were going to say, no, 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 here's God's good design for marriage and sexuality. We thousands of churches across North America join us. It was tremendously successful. We want to do the same. We want to do the same this year on January 15th, and we want to preach a hopeful message of God's design and God's ethic for for sexuality and marriage and the truth that God can transform lives. We really, really hope you watch the interview that Matt and I did last week with Pastor Matt Roden and the Harback family, highlighting the actual transforming power of the Word of God, that taking someone who is walking a very dark, very destructive path, and allowed her to have her eyes open to the truth and come to Christ in faith and repent of all of that. And so please consider joining us this year on Biblical Sexuality Sunday. If you go to libertycoalitioncanada.com, click on the Initiatives tab, click on Biblical Sexuality Sunday, you will have all the information there. You can also email me at churches at com If you're a pastor, if you're interested in joining this year, and you're looking for some promotional stuff stuff for sunday an official invite letter we can get all that to you we really really hope you join us and again please consider supporting the work we do here which is more stuff like that as we continue to be a united front for restoring liberties and freedoms in canada and yeah there's there's just a couple days left to go before christmas so uh i hope that everyone you know if you want to give a really good gift to your friends this year Share that interview with them Mm -hmm. and put them on to Liberty Dispatch so that you can either continue to strengthen them in their crazy conspiracy theorist views, or you can hope to smack some reality and truth into them (laughs) and give them a little dose of some honest assessment from a Christian worldview. So if you love the people in your life, you will expose them to Liberty Coalition (laughs) Canada because as Matt and I said in a number of episodes ago, The real virus, the real virus is the lies and the statism and the tyranny and the spinning of narrative to crush Canada. And we here at Liberty Coalition Canada, we are the real vaccine, the one that really does work, (laughs) that it inoculates you with truth so that you can stand against the lies and against the tyranny and have your eyes open. So don't Friends don't friends don't give friends experimental gene therapy injections, (laughs) but friends do give friends a little bit of truth vaccine by way of Liberty Coalition Canada. So that's that's my pitch for how you can show the people that you love that you really love them this year.
2: Absolutely. And we believe strongly here on the podcast that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, uh, the truth are hidden in the incarnate truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, who for freedom has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to Yoke of Slavery. Until next time.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.